so before we were going to record, I was like, you know, I've got this bottle of wine that I opened on Thursday mm, that I should have put in the fridge. Um, it is a, Wait, like, You didn't Corvina? put it in the fridge? No, it was a red. Mm, Here's the thing. Still... The moral of this story is mm. I've made, I fucked up. Yeah. This already doesn't sound good. Sorry, what kind of wine was it? Uh, Corvina. Nice. Yeah. Right. It's very nice. It's like, I don't know, like 35 bucks. Pretty yeah. good. I like bought it on Thursday, drank about three quarters of it, and uh, then was gone all weekend at my parents. And uh, yeah, didn't drink on Monday because like I'm trying not to drink during the week. But then mm, today I was like, you. wow, like this wine's probably going to go bad pretty soon. Was it spoiler already Spoiler alert. It's already spoiled. That's the saddest spoiler. I'm sorry. But it's one of those things where it's like I'm taking a sip and I'm like, is it bad? Or is it just bad because I just also ate a handful of mini eggs? Like, I, it's... Ooh, I hate that question where, like, is it's not so bad that I can't enjoy a sip or two. Oh, wait, never mind. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, it's very acidic. So I guess I'll cook with it. Yeah. I don't know. Spaghetti sauce? I don't know. I was going to say beef bourguignon, but, like, that has beef. So... Lentil bourguignon? Yeah, that sounds good, actually. I just fucking love anything with mushrooms. That's true. I like mushrooms. I like They're lentils. delicious. I like wine. Yeah. I think that's the best save you could possibly have, but a great tragedy. Also, I'm just, like, genuinely shocked that you left a quarter of a bottle of wine there. Like, I understand, but it's, like, in my mind, it's either you do half or you do the full fucking thing. Yeah, I mean, it was, like, the classic, I'd already had a or three <laughs> glasses of wine at work. Yep. And then I got home and I was like, okay, I just want, like, one more. And then that one went away, like, really fast. And then I'd had, like, two more one mores. And mm. then I woke up on my couch at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah. That's how the classy broads drink wine. Uh, oh, dear. Speaking of wine, my wine subscription order is the first one. is finally shipped. It's not here yet, but it is shipped, which is very exciting. You have a wine subscription? You never told me about I 100% told you about this. Nobody listens to me. Um, no, you talk to too many people. <laughs> Here's the thing that's probably true. And it's just like, honestly, I think my brain is melting every single day. I'm just like, I don't know what's going on around me. I just hope for the best. Uh, but yeah, I have a wine subscription. It's uh, called Wine Collective. This is not an ad, by the way. <laughs> it's called Wine Collective. And I haven't tried any of it yet, so I don't know. But it's based out of Calgary, I think. So that's great because their liquor lice, or their liquor laws are so different. So they can get a bunch of stuff that we just can't get, especially in Ontario, but also in BC. Um, and so I bought, like, the monthly subscription for, like, four wines, mixed packs. So, like, some bright, red, some white. So I'm very excited to see what they are. But I was getting so stressed. I'm like, I ordered this so long ago and I have no shipping information and curses on the families of everyone who involved in this. But uh, finally, I got the shipping number, so I just keep refreshing like a psycho. That's so I'm really excited. Fun. Yeah, I so if it's good, I'll let you know how it goes. Because it was like 100 bucks for uh, four bottles, which I thought was quite reasonable. So anyways, thanks for sharing your wine story. I'm really sorry that happened to you. It's fine. It was like, it's the kind of thing where it was like, I didn't even really want a glass of wine. You just felt like you needed to get rid of it. Yeah, and then I found it was bad. I was like, oh, now I do. Yep. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have been really trying not to keep wine in the house because I know that I'll want it. And so the only bottles of wine that I have on hand are too expensive to just open for a glass of wine. <sighs> now you've got a subscription service. You're fine. Yeah. My life is amazing. If they we are not up. 
actually meant to be talking about wine today. This really got derailed. No, we're talking about a different beverage, y'all. Yes, on uh, yeah, this episode of Pantry Staples. The podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. <laughs> I'm Marika. And I'm Emily. Huzzah. And we're, we're talking kefir. No, sorry, it's kufir. 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 I looked up the pronunciation and I listened to it so many times that I already fucked it up within the first minute. <laughs> so anyways, it's going great. Also, I do think it is thematic-ish because apparently sometimes it can have a very low alcohol percentage just because of the way that everything like ferments and uh, it can produce ethanol in like, if it's in like um, industrialized production, it's usually around like under a percent, like 0. 0.025 or something, but yes. it can be like point like one to 2% alcohol in like uh like at home production sometimes like all that stuff like kombucha too yeah wild times wild wild times so let me tell you also i would like to remind everyone that this is a mini app so i do not have a lot of information for you Uh, oh geez (laughs) (laughs) why what was your response we talked about a mini app oh yeah and then i just did a bunch of well we'll get there it'll be yeah we'll figure it out it's fine (laughs) It is. Everything's there's like very little information. I had a really hard time finding stuff. Well, that's good. So then there's not a ton to talk about. We can get <laughs> on with our days. <laughs> okay. So anyways, uh, here's some things about kufir. Uh, it comes from the old Turkic word kopur, which means milk, froth, foam, or to froth. It is also thought to be linked to the Kurdish word kaf, which means foam or bubbles. Now it's also said to translate to good feelings. So that's adorable. But I also don't know if I trust that fact. Like, it's from a source that was very reputable. But also, I'm just like, I don't know. It feels like that's propaganda to me. Um, Bubbles are always good feeling related. So I would say yes. That's actually an excellent point. Because champagne is the happiest of beverages. Yeah. The old Turkic word was from the 7th to 13th century, potentially. Uh, And then when we see this like translation coming into the Russian lexicon, it's around 1884 onwards. So that's kind of the time frame that we're working with. But again, milk is a naturally occurring substance. Uh, this kefir, I don't know. Like I couldn't really figure out when that came about, but I don't know. Just kind of feel like it just popped up. That's that's <laughs> the vibe I get. I think Anyways. the problem. Just sorry to interject. The problem hmm. that I was finding with a lot of like research is that even like the English papers that I'm reading, they're like, I don't know any studies and stuff. It's all in Russian. So. Or just like definitely done by people with some very heavy leanings. Like every single thing I saw was just like, this is a magical wonder cure and you'd be an idiot (laughs) not to drink it. Like just get on it. (laughs) And then like, again, the history is really like just very interestingly presented as I don't know. Anyways, we'll see. Uh, So kefir is a fermented milk beverage that originates in the Caucasus Mountains. Uh, We can assume that the creation of this beverage, again, like yogurt, very accidental kind of by happenstance, carrying fresh milk in a leather pouch. We can think maybe it had some of this uh, kefir like grains, which is not, they're not grains for the record, spoiler alert, but these, they look like grains. So we'll call them that. Uh, Maybe they were in this leather pouch and then the milk came in there and then it fermented together uh, through the movement Traditionally, the people of the Caucasus were um, like nomadic people, so they're moving around a lot. So there is that jostling that we yeah. see in a lot of things like this. Um, there's also once people become more settled, a tradition where people hang the bag of milk 
with the kefir uh, on a doorknob and then the people who enter and exit when they open and close the door like jostle it around again so when you agitate it like that it ferments and it keeps the two uh, substances integrated so we are getting like this finished product as opposed to two kind of separate things I um, love that. <laughs> isn't it adorable I saw that and was very into it um, there's also mythic origins much like yogurt like again I know that they're two very similar substances but just I don't know I'm thinking they seem different enough in my mind and also the myths are very different uh, very so different. Yeah. yeah in orthodox religions it's believed that the uh, kufir grains again in air quotes were a gift from Muhammad he insisted that the secret to this drink be kept from everyone outside of the faith and that if others were told uh, how the kufir was made it would lose its magic strength which I was like, again, from day one, people were insisting that this was a good idea. Um, so we see this belief carried on by the Karachi people. So this is a tribe that lives in the Caucasus Mountains. Uh, they would arrange for their kefir uh, to be stolen, again, air quotes, by others so that they wouldn't be giving it away. So like that way people could have it, but also they hadn't done it. It's not just an Orthodox belief. Again, these people believed in uh, like spirits and that sort of stuff. So in this pagan belief, it's still very much a secret. So that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. But isn't that super cute? Yeah, I love it. Just like the, <laughs> the like mental gymnastics you're making. <laughs> also, I'm sorry, but I love the term mental gymnastics. I find that very fun. Um, so like I said, kefir grains aren't actually grains. They have been described and I like, I'm still a little bit like foggy on what this actually is, but I kind of get the gist of it, but they've been described as a symbiotic matrix of bacteria and yeasts. They have many different kinds of bacteria present and they really vary between each one. So if you're finding a kefir in one region, it's going to be different from what's in a different region, different, like just different all over the place because they are like, I want to say kind of an example of terroir a little bit. Like that's the nonsense that's going on there, but they all always have that lactobacillus that we see in yogurt specifically. uh, And basically in everything that we ferment, they look like tiny little cauliflowers, which if you've seen the pictures, they're adorable. (laughs) They're adorable and so gross looking. So gross. Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah. But anyways, these fungi, because that's, I think, kind of what they are, were so important historically that they were viewed as a form of wealth and, like, currency in a way. And from, like, when they were transferred from one generation to another, that was considered, like, your generational wealth. Like, you inherited these grains, fungi. Yeah, which is so crazy. So anyways, this secret of how to make fair milk was maintained for quite some time until we hit, like, 1907. That's when, yeah, like, again, but we see the word coming into Russian, uh, like, vocabulary in 1884, I said. Obviously, it had been around for many, many centuries before that, but I don't know, it didn't, like, the time between when you see it appearing in Russian language and by the time when Russian people, like, get it, it's still, like, you know, 30-ish years. So that's kind of good, I guess. Uh, Anyways, yeah. In 1907 was when the All-Russian Physician Society read the work of our friend Ilya Mechnikov, who we talked about last time, who believed that the longevity of people living in the Caucasus and the nearby regions, I think he was uh, Bulgarian, was he not? Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
was because of fermented milk products. So again, he's publishing all this research. He's doing all these studies. He's like, yeah, this is the reason everyone's living so long. And so all these physicians get really jazzed up about it. They're like, we got to get some of this kufir. Uh, so they were so desperate to learn the secrets of this and just to get like some of it as a starter because it wasn't even accessible to people like outside of these like tribes that were set up in the mountains. So they were like, we got to get some of this. They enlisted the help of the Blandov, Blandov, I don't know how to say that in a Russian accent, brothers, who owned Moscow Dairy, which I don't think this is anything at all interesting, but I need to point it out because it tickled my brain so much. But in Moscow, there's the word cow. (laughs) So it just kind of makes sense to have a dairy there. Oh, man. Thanks. I am deeply spiraling over here. Anyways, so they get these brothers who own this dairy. They're like, hey guys, could you go try and talk to these tradespeople, or sorry, tribespeople that are living in the mountains and see if they can like give us a little bit of their kefir? And so they do. And then the tribespeople were just like, hey, you know what you can actually have? I just flipped the bird to demonstrate, (laughs) but they basically just tell them to piss off. Uh, So then... They're like, okay, back to the drawing board. We got to figure out a different way to do this. So the brothers see one of their employees named Irina Sakharova. And they're like, she's stupid hot. And then they're like, ah, I see a light bulb going off in my head. So then they just went up to her and were like, hey, we need you to go seduce the prince of these people. His name was Prince Bek Mirza. So she's like, yeah, I guess I've got nothing on today. Uh... (laughs) She goes and she's like, hey. And he's like, oh, hey. And then she's like, I would really love some of these kefir grains. And he's like, I would really love you to not have them. And then she's like, fuck this. I'm out. So then she goes back. But on her way back to Moscow, she's kidnapped by his, like, soldier people. And they're like, actually, we're, like, super into having you stay here. But we're just not going to give you any of the kefir. And she's like, not what I wanted, bro. Not what I wanted. This is not the arrangement. No. So anyways, long story short, she's rejected him. And then she takes him to court. So before the Tsar in Russia and is like, this motherfucker has pulled some nonsense. (laughs) And he's like, okay, okay, okay. It's fine. I'll give you some gold and some like expensive things. And she's like, that's not what I want. And he's like, fine. So then he gives her some kufir and then she brings it back to her bosses, the Blandov brothers, mm-hmm. and they were really excited about it. And then they gave them to these physicians and then they started using them in every kind of medical treatment. This is leading to this massive spread across Eastern Europe. Like it was already kind of in these like more um, like small time nomadic people. Like they were definitely still engaged with that, but it's like exploding outwards it's getting way more popular we're also seeing it in like more industrialized settings uh it's being used to treat digestive disorders cancer uh, tuberculosis like just a whole range of things uh by the 1930s we're like really really upping the demand and by the 1960s industrialized production was created in eastern europe but i did just want to briefly talk about this story because it's wild And we can cut this out if you don't like how it goes, but basically I want to compare like how we interact with women who establish, I guess even civilizations in a sense, and like, or like establish 
things of worth. So mm. in ancient Rome, the like foundation myths of this have like one woman whose name is like Lucilla or Lucretia or something. And she's like sitting there at home, just like doing her needlepoint, being a good Roman wife. And then her husband's out and he's like, my wife is super hot and like not at all a whore. And then these other guys were like, yeah, I bet. And then go and fucking rape her. And she's just like, I would die for my honor so that I don't dishonor my husband. And then he goes and he kills the old kings and sets up the Republic of Rome. So just another bitch who's just trying to live her life until and then men... some dudes just coming in and like really pissing her all off. Well, it's just like so rude, just co-opting her like either sexuality or sort of like like virginness. Mm, virginal, yeah, virginal, like, air about her. No, I just yeah. thought it was really interesting the way that we discuss, like, women's involvement with things. Like, I read several accounts of the story, and maybe it's because I'm reading them through a more modern lens, but also I think it does speak to how people were talking about it then, and that's just been translated, is that, like, we can't have women, like, going out and doing things without it just being, like, one, at, like, the command of a man, Two, for, like, the betterment of, like, male society, because Mm. it was definitely, like, men that took, like, all the fucking rewards for this. And just, like, how you just have to use your beauty in a way and, like, your sexuality in a way that's so specific in order to kind of get away with these things. I don't know. It just, like, seemed like another weird example of, like, positive female behavior stories. I don't know. I don't really know what I want to say about this, but I just felt like... The comparison is there in my mind, and I was just like, this seems yucky. It's very yucky. Right? Well, and I think you're right. Like, it's that sort of... Yeah, like, the very... Like, you even said it in your retelling, where it's like, they found this woman that they thought was, like, super attractive, and they're like, aha, you will be the perfect way to, like, trick this guy out Mm -hmm. of the kefir grains, which... By the way, the most wild part of that story to me is it's, like, these grains reproduce like crazy. Like, anyone who's making them at home is trying to get rid of them because you have so much. Mm -hmm. So That was the thing that stuck in my head, too. And, like, on the one hand, like, we don't necessarily know how accurate that Roman foundation myth is. That's just the myth that's been passed down because we want to give examples of like positive female behavior. And we don't necessarily know how accurate this is. Like it's, it's a thing that this woman exists and like later, like it's, it's in recent enough memory that like we have written records of it from people who are still kind of like around or like were recently enough around. So it's definitely a thing that she went there, but like the way that it's told and the way that it's interacted with is so kind of like mythical, right? It's just very fucking oh. weird. Very mythical. Well, and then even the idea, like, I don't know, to bring in another, like, like mm-hmm. the virgin birth of Jesus is Ugh. kind of like a, you've mm-hmm. got to have this female with, like, very little active agency, which yeah. I guess is kind of, like, redundant, but things happen to her so that great things can happen to a great man. Yeah, 100%. And it's just, like, we can't... It almost seems like men are like, well, I guess we can't completely leave the broads out of the stories, but, like, we're going to tell them how great it is to sit down, shut up, and do your job. Like, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Or just, it's like, keep like, your pants on. Or they just think that people will be more interested if it's like, and then we got this hot lady to go and get the grains from, I don't know, the guy that's hoarding them all. And, 
Like, it just, yeah. it makes it more intriguing. It's like any, like, heist movie. Like, you've got to have yeah. the hot chick. <sighs> gotta have the hot chick. That is the, you know, main tagline of Kuthir. That's what they put on the bottles. <laughs> gotta have All the hot chick hot and chick. the fermented milk. Ugh, I don't know. I was just like, again, like, the whole time, there's not a ton about the history of it, like, to be totally honest. That is what it is. That's all I have for you. Mm -hmm. But it's just so interesting that it's very much, like, it's just so defined by that one tale that's told in such a yucky way. Well, it's so crazy how people, even academic sources, would just, like, keep repeating something. That does sound so obviously apocryphal. Like, were they not problematizing it at all? No, they just, like, and again, because she's a real person, like, she legitimately received, mm-hmm. like, letters from, like, the physicians later or, like, from maybe the star, I can't really remember. But, like, she received letters, like, in the 60s being like, hey, thanks so much for all you've done for Russia. Like, you killed it. <laughs> and, like, I think even the great-grandson of this prince that she seduced was, like, Yes, and we were so happy to give you the grains. Like, and she's like, oh, yeah, after I fucking won that lawsuit. I love that it's a lawsuit also. Right? It's an interesting, like, contrast between, like, okay, you have people still living in tribes in the mountains. Like, and not to say that that's an uncivilized society by any means, because it's certainly not. It's just a different way of living. But, like, you have that next to an industrialized, like, or a city that's becoming industrialized. Russia's literally still like that. Yeah, that's wild. It's a huge country. It can't not have a lot going on. Very true. I always forget how big Russia is. But, like, that's the whole point of Russia is that it's big. (laughs) It literally is. Like, nobody will shut up about it. (laughs) Anyways, so that was, like, half a fact that I gave you. So I'm sorry that I have really shit the bed today. I tried, for the record. I did do a good amount of research. It's just, this is all I got. Oh, totally. I mean, the same kind of for me. Um... I, as will not surprise you at all, hmm. and completely on, completely out of character with the way that I usually do this research, hmm. have gone totally off topic, and I'm just going to be screaming about milk for a little bit. Later. Wonderful, let's do it. Um, but first I have some just like fun, kind of quick facts about the grains that I've got from Dope. the Art of Fermentation book Cool by Sandard Katz. It's very good. You were kind of talking how you didn't really understand... Yeah, I read, like, a bunch of different things, and I think it just got too sciencey for me, so please explain this. Yeah, I mean, I don't all, I fully don't really understand. The kind of quote that I saw was that it is, quote, a symbiotic entity that self-reproduces. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so what's really cool about that is that it's basically, like, even if you had all of the, like, chemical, bacterial, fungal components, you couldn't recreate a kefir grain in a lab. Really? Yeah. Like, it's something that, yeah, it's almost just, like, life itself. It just happens to all work together, which is... I mean, no fucking wonder they thought that this thing would cure, like, all these diseases. This thing is like life itself. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and also, like, as long as it's got enough food and, I guess, like, space to continue to grow, it could theoretically live forever, which is fun. That's wild. Okay, and when you say symbiotic, I took that to mean when I, through my readings, that it's, like, the bacteria and the yeast in there are kind of, like, interacting with each other in, like, almost a feedback loop. Like, that's kind of how I saw it. Because it's not like this is, like, a piece of apple or something that has bacteria and yeast growing on it. It's just, like, something made of bacteria and yeast that we can see. 
No, so, oh, so what I was going to say is it's mm. actually, it's kind of like a SCOBY, which stands for Symbiotic Community of Bacteria and Yeast. And that's the thing that they use to make kombucha. Ah. So a SCOBY no. is anything, it's just, it's like Wait, it's have a you community. made kombucha? No, but I've, I know people who have and I've seen Have you pictures. made kefir? No, but I really want to after reading this because it actually sounds so easy. My mom made it for a while. Like she would just have it in the kitchen or like in the cupboard, like doing his thing. It was awful. Like I did not like it at all. Like, like the actual beverage or just the, the act of your mom making it? No, no, no. Her making it was totally fine. Like I don't care about that. Uh, but it was horrible. And like, I think I have like a complicated relationship with just like drinking plain milk. <laughs> But it's not milk. It's like drinkable yogurt. No, I did not like it. That's fine. Lots of people don't. I love it. I think it's so good. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. All right. Maybe I'll tell Elsie to get back in the game. You guys can make it together. That'd be cute. That would be cute. Anyways, continue. Well, this is what is really cool. Just like about bacteria in general is like they're organisms, right? Like they're living things. That, like, blows my mind. I know. And so this is what works with, like, the, like, scobies and any kind of, like, fermentation in general. Is it's, like, a whole, it's a community. So they're all, like, working together to, like, make this new project. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm way too emotional these days because I'm 100% on the verge of tears just thinking about all this bacteria (laughs) having friends. (laughs) But you should. it's like watching the bee movie. Oh, my God. No. That movie was awful. Not good. Anyways, please continue. Okay, well, so yes. Kefir is very cool when made in, uh, at home in, like, a traditional way. But just kind of like we were talking about with yogurt and, like, pretty much all fermented foods that we're talking about, mm-hmm. the industrial-produced version is, like, in the terms of kefir, is not made with actual grains, but rather a, like, starter culture. Yeah, I read that too. And I also read that it's like frozen because they've picked one that's just the most stable, like this thing. And it just is like a not even comparable in any way, shape or form, really. Yeah, I mean, it like, <laughs> it makes sense in a way because it's like cheaper, it's simpler, it's easier to make a consistent product. Because the thing with any kind yeah. of fermentation is it's so like variable and it's again kind of like the terroir comment that i made it's like the the bacteria and shit is different everywhere if you're not using like a specific thing and it kind of gets into the air it's just gonna change yeah and also like you going back to the fact that it has alcohol in it because that's Mm. how fermentation works it's like if you were mass producing kefir and it starts to ferment to like becoming alcoholic it's a, going to be really hard to regulate because all of a sudden you've got, like, a non-alcoholic beverage that has alcohol in it. <laughs> and then also because, like, alcohol fermentation takes place after, like, the lactic acid fermentation. Mm. So it's like if it continues to ferment beyond a certain point, then you're going to have things that are fermenting while you're trying to distribute it, which could lead to, like, exploding kefir. interesting yeah so i can see why they've made the choices that they have yep yeah so it's like so that's that's just the thing so anytime you're buying kefir in a store it's actually like a kefir like beverage kind of in like a frozen dessert situation oh that's so trash 
Yeah. I mean, like, it's fine. It's, it's just, I think it's important to remember because it, like yogurt, like all fermented things, is ascribed with so many, like, lauded health benefits and nutritional mm-hmm. components, which, like, true traditional kefir does have. Like, it has so many, like, good enzymes and proteins and stuff. Probiotics. But, like, yeah. probiotics are, like, the least of it. Like, it's got vitamins and stuff. From what oh. I read. Because then I'm just about to, like, scream about how milk is fake, so... Okay, good, because I was like, um, this is seeming like rather an endorsement of its medicinal properties, and that's like a little sketchy. Yeah, like like anything, if you're going to be making it at home, it's going to be better. Like, better, I guess. But then also like sketchy because home fermentation is questionable. I just want to be a professional fermenter. That's all I want to do when I grow up. You could probably make that happen. Yeah. I don't know. I have some things about how like the health stuff. Hmm. Is it just going to be that it's all fake news? Well, I don't know. It's, like, a lot of it is considered, like, it's, like, yogurt, healthy anecdotally. Mm. But then there haven't been, like, tons of studies. I also feel like, and I know that this is totally, like, against what we've been saying for the past however many episodes. And, like, screaming about how the health of fermented food is, like, not fake, but, like, not, like, as scientifically valid as that. And, like, I stand by everything that we've said, and I think that it's really fucked that we advertise it that way. But, like, anecdotally should be equally as, like, impressive as scientifically sometimes. Like, I'm not saying I think it cures cancer, but, like, we should trust people saying, like, hey, this makes me feel better. Yeah. And I think that's totally fine. Yeah. No, no, no. I, like, I do kind of agree. And I think with all of the healthy, like not healthy, but, like, all of the fermented foods we're talking about. Like, if it makes you feel good and it isn't, like, doing anything actively bad, like, there's no reason you shouldn't eat it. Yeah. But it's, like, I think when it becomes a problem is when, like, large corporations start to, like, market it as, like, a miracle cure. Or publish, like, a bunch of fucking literature saying, yeah, it's super great for you, haven't you heard? And then at the bottom you're like, this person is paid by Danone. Yeah, or then if, like, medical professionals, in scare quotes, start saying, like, no, you don't need to take, like, cancer drugs, just drink kefir. (laughs) One thing that is true about kefir is that because it's fermented, it, the uh, lactose in it is converted into glucose and galactose, and then further into lactic acid, which means that it's okay to consume if a person is lactose intolerant. Yes, just like yogurt, which is cool. Yes. And I, like, knew that a dairy allergy and a lactose allergy were different, but, like, just want to clarify, it still has dairy in it, so you still can't have it if you're allergic to dairy. Yes, lots of studies. Most of them were done in Russia, apparently. But, um... I read a couple, like, reviews of all the studies that are done, and some people have found, like, that kefir is apparently could be considered an effective treatment against bacterial infections. Hmm. Interesting. And, and yeah, and then was showing an ability to inhibit tumor growth in mice, so maybe it will cure your cancer. Okay, we should not say that. (laughs) Also fascinating, like, how does it cure bacterial infections? Is it just that, like, they produce so much good bacteria and, like, your body just, like, gets on track with that? Like, how does the science work at all? 
Why are you asking me that? I don't know. I'm just, you know, um, shit just I think, <laughs> Yeah, science, science, science. Um, I think it is, yes, it's like it replaces it with good bacteria. And it's like bacterial infections like in like your intestines. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't expect it to be like you have a cut on your hand. And next thing you know, it's better. You just pour kefir on it. <laughs> But I actually feel like, again, it's like one of those old wives' tales of, like, put butter on a burn. Like, I feel like people would have just poured some kefir into their hand. I guess you could do worse, like, dairy is soothing for, I don't know, things. I don't think you should say that either. No, you're not supposed to put anything on a burn but water because it can infect it. That's the whole point. I don't know about burns. The thing that I do want to focus on with kefir... Mm. is not only is it safe for people who are lactose intolerant to mm. consume, safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it has also been shown to perhaps improve your ability to digest lactose if you have... Uh... Oh, interesting. Yes. So one study tested both yogurt and kefir and found that they were both able to, quote, reduce the severity of flatulence related to milk by 54 to 71%. I feel like, how are you measuring the farts of someone? Like, I would like to discuss that in more detail with these researchers. I think that that is why there is a 54 to 71. They're not so like, but I love 54 to 71 like, what are your numbers right there? <laughs> just, just excellent. Yep, it's very fun. It's just, I also just love an academic paper that's going to have farts written in yes. it. Yes, we are 12-year-old boys who still want to <laughs> laugh at farts, so there you go. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about milk. Let's talk about milk, baby. Let's talk about, talk about the and I don't know how the song goes, anyways. I think that was pretty good. Thank you. I said the USA because milk consumption in the US oh, good. is good. Yeah. Nice lovely. segue. Thanks. Much better than my Moscow cow comment. <laughs> no, nothing will be better than Moscow. <laughs> I'm sorry, please continue. So I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but in the United States and just like North America in general, a very strong cultural value placed on cow's milk, has led to more governmental support of the dairy industry. Wow, hadn't noticed that at all, but isn't it pretty weird that we all drink so much milk? Yes. And the entirety of the Got Milk campaigns, which I'm hoping is going to be, like, the entire focus of what we discuss? Um, it's actually not as much, but it's there. So, yes. Clearly... There is an ethno and biocentric bias in the U.S. and North America in general towards pro-cow's milk dietary recommendations. And the reason that it's like ethnocentric is because, as like lots of studies and just history has proved, Northern Europeans have more lactase persistence, which is the sort of scientific term for the inability to properly digest dairy products and lactose it's an it's an enzyme yeah so like if you can keep it like in your tummy then makes sense that we'd continue to consume it yeah most adults actually lose like lactase Mm. enzymes by the time they're yeah adults you have it with kids so you can 
drink your mother's milk, I guess. I don't know. Look. Yeah, interesting. You have it, I think people have it as kids, and then you lose it as you get older. So, yes. Okay, this is a total sidebar, and again, like, just really proving how bad we both are at science is what's going to come out of this, but you're saying, you mentioned mother's milk, like, breast milk, but, like, if you're lactose intolerant, I don't feel like you have problems with breast milk, or do you? Like, if it's your own mother's breast milk. I think there's some people who are, here's the thing, like, actual lactose intolerance is actually super rare. It's, again, all these people with their freaking buzzword allergies that just ruin it for the rest of them. Yes. Like However, gluten intolerance. Sorry, please continue. But so yes, so full on like lactose intolerance, where like you could be like vomiting because you've had like milk, um, is not exactly what we're talking about. So the whole okay. so like the presence of the lactase enzyme in a person's like gut flora is <laughs> thank you. Uh, actually also very rare like it is more prevalent in like northern europe people of northern european descent which is of course the dominant ethnic group in like authoritarian positions in north america <clears throat> well said the fact that uh, globally most people are not able to fully digest lactose which means it's not as popular yeah yeah tracks <laughs> as we've seen northern european populations mostly like there's some other people, things hmm. are the exception to lactase impersistence so mm-hmm. inability um because they have historical practices of dairy farming and consumption of dairy products like just makes sense you evolve around it if you're consuming it more yeah and these practices and dietary traditions were imported to the areas colonized by Europeans along with the genetic mutation to digest milk. Yep, where there's white people, there's cows. Where there's white people, there's cows. We could end that sentence with so many other things, but anyways. <laughs> and also where there is milk, there is like almost a going back to the whole like female origin story mm. virginal purity like discussion right yeah Oof. like milk in north america is so culturally significant that like we've also attributed it with nutritional significance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's recommended for children teenagers and adult women to like consume milk because it's thought to support fetal growth, aid in lactation production, and prevent osteoporosis. Oh my god, I forgot about osteoporosis completely being like, you need it for your strong bones. Wow, people are so into this. The thing is, it's like, it's not true. Because lots of non-dairy consuming populations maintain both child growth and bone density without relying on milk. Like, it's just one great option for some people. It is an option. Yeah, of many options. Like, you can get your vitamins, like, a million and one ways. So many different places. The other thing that's super important to remember is that in the U.S., the USDA, the United States Mm. Department of Agriculture, actually has two functions. And these are, like, mandated into when it was created. Mm. So the first promotes the interests of the agricultural industry. Mm -hmm. And the second 
is to issue food and nutritional guidelines. Again, one of the many clusterfucks of American government that will never cease to be, like, shocking. Like, how do you put those two things together and not think, oh, I bet we're going to have a fucking problem later with that. Yeah, it's such a conflict of interest. Yeah, that's (laughs) insane. Like, no wonder there's so much lettuce with salmonella. (laughs) Because everyone's too busy promoting dairy products, which make up around 11% of U.S. agricultural commodities. What just did you, like, happen to see out of curiosity? Like, what is the largest earner for the USDA? Or, like, American agriculture? Oh, I have no idea. I assume it would be meat. Or, no, maybe corn. Oh, probably corn. Anyways, continue. Yeah, so with dairy products making up around 11% of U.S. agricultural commodities, it's not surprising that the government would want to implement programs for, quote, dairy product promotion, research, and nutrition education, as part of a comprehensive strategy to increase human consumption of milk and dairy products. So, like, how we've been, like, slagging off all these uh, studies that say, hey, yogurt's good, sponsored by Danone. Literally all of these studies are sponsored by the U.S. By the U.S. dairy industry. Ugh. Trash. Yeah, so a perfect example of this is the freaking food pyramid. Oh, the food pyramid. Yes. Which has, it has a whole section. I mean, the whole food pyramid, first of all, is just like garbage and fake and Mm -hmm. all made up of by like sponsored things. Like I remember being a kid and researching the food pyramid. And one of the things was like, how much bread should you consume in a day? And I was like, I don't know, like two to three slices. And they were like, no, as much as you want. Because this particular... (laughs) Because that particular, like, fun kids quiz about the food pyramid was sponsored by Dempsters. That's so dark. And, you know, like, the more we get into this sort of stuff, like, just us talking about it and doing this research, it's, like, the more it really reassures me about my own diet, which is, like, a weird thing to come out of this. But I'm just, like, none of it makes any fucking difference. Just eat whatever you want and hope for the best. And, like, if you can have something that has less government involvement go into your body, even better. I mean, okay, I don't know about that. Like, we should all be eating a lot of vegetables. Like, the one thing the food pyramid got right was, like, the, I don't know, eight cups of vegetables. Yeah, I'm super (laughs) pro-vegetables, but that's not the thing I'm concerned about. My concerns are, like, should I, like, be trying to eat, like, three squares a day? Should I be trying to eat, like, you know, this much, like, a a portion of milk this much? Like, I'm not drinking milk. Fuck that noise. No, milk is disgusting. Yeah, it tastes (laughs) bad. Spoiler alert. Also, my mom, again, sorry Elsie's getting so many shoutouts as per usual, uh, but she would make us drink our milk in plastic cups, and I hated the taste of that. Thank you, it's horrible. She was a great mom in every other way besides that. I just, yeah, I never want to drink milk. Did you have to drink milk at the table when you were a kid? No, because my mom was like, no, gross. Hmm. Okay, continue. Um, yeah, so food pyramid. Like, shout out to Carrie. Yeah, shout out to Carrie being like, no, only, like, <laughs> the, we, yeah. No. I, I grew up in a household where it was like, you have cow's milk and then you also have soy, soy milk. So like, you're constantly specifying which type of milk mm. you want. And like, now we live in a world where there's always an array of milks, which I love. Yeah. But the, it's overwhelming. this was true in like, the 90s, so. Ahead of the curve. (laughs) 
as per everything with your household. Um, throwback to my friend Alex, who has like everyone in her household has a different preference on the percentage that they like for their milk. Like some people like one percent, some people like skim. Like I think there's always four different kinds of milk in her fridge, which is yeah. my favorite thing ever. Just like, why would you try and keep your kids down? Just give them all the different percentages. Yes, or that fantastic meme where it's like god talking to i don't know like some like angel he's like why are they making all of these like milks like i gave them cows i gave them goats i gave them sheep (laughs) they don't like that milk yeah that is a good meme i did not do that meme justice but it's great no i i I got the vibe um also like really sad that in the u.s and like by you know association canada uh really don't fuck with like yak's milk or sheep's milk like we're all just drinking cow milk feel like i've been robbed of my different milk opportunities yeah i mean it would be nice to have an option yeah anyway back to the food pyramid there's a whole section devoted to dairy Mm. for the reasoning that they are considered high sources of calcium but do you want to know what else has calcium like a lot of vegetables yeah literally everything so kale has 250 milligrams per 100 grams of calcium. Okay. And milk has 110 milligrams per 100 grams. So, like, less than half. Huh. And, like, tofu, tofu has, like, a thousand, like, it's crazy. It's, like, I looked at this whole list of things, and it's, milk just doesn't stack up. Not to be, like, weird about it, but, like, it's, just interesting to see like how readily accessible those kinds of foods and veggie fruits and veggies are like if i could take a time machine back to the 80s and see what the hell was going on in the grocery stores i would love that because like Mm. was and like there's a difference between like living in a really like dense urban center of a place where like i don't know you have a lot of different immigrant communities and you have a lot of people who are used to eating just like a lot of different foods and like tofu and like a whole bunch of like interesting veggies or like if you're going to the grocery store in like rural like Idaho, like what are you seeing on the shelves? You're not seeing kale. So like, was no. it simply advertised because that was just like the best we knew? Like no, beyond no, no. obviously the financial ramifications of it. Um, no, I mean, okay. So what I do know is that in the meetings to like come up with the food mm. pyramid, there were a number of like dairy industry representatives who were on the advisory committee Trash. and like actively shot down any suggestions for calcium rich alternatives really yeah that's crummy of them yes and also like by coming up with this food pyramid it's such like a like middle class white american version of a diet like Mm -hmm. what about soy milk like soybeans have a lot of calcium soybeans Mm -hmm. have a lot of protein Mm -hmm. you can say what you want about soybeans but if yeah. you are coming from an Asian household, like, that's what you're more used to, maybe. Yeah. Or, like, tofu or anything else. Like, it's such a, it's so clearly the people at the top were, like, yeah, of course you got to drink your milk. Because that's what they grew up eating, like, drinking. Ugh. Yuck. Just uh, another way the man's keeping us down. I know. Ugh. It's also very interesting. So, in, like, the USDA dairy promos, they're always very quick to draw distinctions between lactose intolerance and lactose maldigestion. Hmm. So like intolerance, like I was saying before, is actually very rare and it equals like very serious gastrointestinal symptoms. 
whereas maldigestion means that you have enough lactase enzyme to consume dairy without an issue, so long as you don't like exceed your, quote, physiological capacity to digest it. Interesting. So that, but then because you can have it, like certain quantities, it seems like the National Dairy Council is always trying to like get people to drink, like just like be trying to push that limit. They're like, well, you can't, so you have to drink milk. That is so fucked. And like, you have to drink milk to like teach yourself to be able to digest it more because it's so important. They're like drug pushers. And they're also apparently very clear on like, you know, like lactose intolerant symptoms are the same as a lot of other gastrointestinal illnesses. So like you maybe have those who are actually totally fine with milk. So just try they're it. Gaslighting these fuckers. Oy oy oy. Yeah, there's a whole like list of quote several easy steps to overcome lactose intolerance. Oh my gosh. One of which is after getting tested and finding out that you do have like low lactase activity, you should be sure to not avoid dairy and instead find more creative ways of including it in your diet to make sure you aren't missing out on all the calcium that you totally can't get from any other source. This is just very alarming. It's so alarming. It's just like when you like really break it down, it's so like clearly calculated. Because they're also like not only like they're always pushing calcium, calcium's always the thing. Hmm. But then they also want you to not cut it out of your diet because then you'll miss out on like protein and vitamin D, which are all found in milk because Nobody needs any more protein in their diet for the record, I feel like. No, you absolutely don't. But here's the thing. Any like vitamin D or like oh what's the other one? I didn't write it down. Like vitamin like, A. I don't know, riboflavin or whatever that you're getting mm. from milk has been added to it because it's fortified now. Ugh. Get out. That's the worst. Uh-huh. No, this is actually the worst. Oh, no. The American belief in the incontrovertible benefits of milk is so serious that the American Academy of Pediatrics describes lactase, quote, deficiency as a common disorder found in approximately 80 to 90 percent of Black, Mexican, Asian, Middle Eastern, and Native Americans all of whom show, quote, abnormal findings on lactose intolerance tests. It's like, wow. I'm sorry, but like, in what world is a finding abnormal when it is found in everyone else? 80 to 90% of multiple populations. Oh my God, what a mindfuck this all is too, right? Because like, how do you, like, you're just a mom, you're trying to raise your kids, right? You're like, oh yeah, I should feed them this because that's what, like, people who should be smarter and better at life than I am have said, nope, they're just paid off. Oh, I go to the doctor to see if my kid's okay? Nope, they got their own agenda too. What the hell, man? Yeah. Oh no, you, oh, your kid is, like, having serious, like, stomach cramps and, like, pain because they, like, can't, they're, like, lactose intolerant or even just, like, lactose like maldigestive and your doctor's recommended is that this is an abnormal like super weird like nobody else has this is very rare make them eat more dairy so that they'll get used to it like that's the solution oh 
just all the language too, like deficiency, disorder. Yes. It's like, guys. The way we're speaking about these things is so incredibly messed up. It's literally, it is the norm to not be able to digest lactose. Ugh. What a bunch of crooks. So, I don't know. Got milk. Yeah. But, like, isn't it super great that we had, like, an entire generation of celebrities that just, like, got some, like, white something over their lip to get photographed? I was always disgusted as that, by that campaign, like, even as a child. It's not good. It's really not. Because I would just look at it and be like, ew. Like, I don't also, I... All I could think of when I was, like, seeing those campaigns was I was like, I am a child. Like, I'm 10 years old. And I have no concept of how to get that much milk above my lip. Like, I would get so worked up, but I'm like, I could not get myself a a milk mustache if I tried. I know how to drink from a cup properly. Like, who are these heathens? (laughs) Ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. So, anyway. Kefir. Usually made from milk, but actually it doesn't have to be. You can make it with soy milk. You can make it with goat's milk. Oh, I knew you could make it with, like, other animal milks, but I guess it never really even occurred to me that you could do it with, like, soy milks and, like, dairy alternatives. That makes total sense, though. Yeah. I also read a thing about water kefir. Yes, I've heard of that, and it sounds horrible. (laughs) I don't like this stuff. I'm sorry. Oh, it sounds like kombucha, but, like, less strong. Like, it's supposedly, like, sweeter. Okay, fine. We'll make some, see how it goes. I really want to make it. It sounds even easier than, like, regular kefir. Do you know where you would get the, like, fungus for this? Like, where do you get that stuff? The internet. You just order it online? Yes. (laughs) The world's a magical place, isn't it? Holy smolies. It is. It's also, so water kefir is also known as tabicos. Interesting. And it's not actually the same, um, like, grains. So, like, water kefir grains are, like, simpler. Like, they're just, like, I don't know, like, polysaccharides and yeast. Like, they're also a SCOBY, but they're not as, like... Not as complex. complex. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because, like, regular kefir grains can have, like, 30 different microbes. Hmm. Whereas these are, like, four. Very cool. Yeah, so you just, like, add them to sugar water and, like, put in, like, fruits, if you want flavoring or not, and put it in a jar for, like, 12 to 48 hours. Wild. Have you seen this trend on TikTok of, like, natural cereal or, like, whatever it's called where it's just, like, coconut water and, like, blueberries and pomegranate seeds and, like, strawberries and then you put ice cubes in it? Char was telling me about this today, and she's like, yeah, but you don't eat the ice cubes there just to keep everything cold. And I'm like, what a weird dish that kids are just, like, doing. But I guess anything to get, like, more fruits in your diet? Not that fruits are all veggies, but still. Yeah, you don't actually need a lot of fruits in your diet. But they're delicious, you do, for your emotions. <laughs> just, like, having to eat around ice sounds so, like, so much work. So just, like, why can't we just not do that? It doesn't seem necessary to do it that way. Like, just eat just, fruit. Yeah, exactly. And have some coconut water. Like, I just don't get it. Coconut water is gross. Also. Yeah, it is. It tastes like cereal milk, though. So I guess that's maybe part of it. Hmm. I don't really like cereal milk either. No, I eat my cereal dry. Everyone knows this. 
It's true. I need to get like I need to lube up my cereal because otherwise it just gets like that's what the milk is for. It's just cereal lube. Just put butter on it. Honestly, that sounds fucking delightful. I 100% would. We're so off topic. Sorry, continue. Oh, no, I had nothing else to say. It's just, like, I think I'm sad that you, again, don't like and have, like, barely had another one of these foods. (laughs) I've had enough of it to make my decision. I feel very comfortable. You know my role. Try everything twice. I've definitely tried it more than twice. I feel very comfortable with my statements on this. And I don't feel sad that I don't like it because you know what? It's exciting that I can now add and have a third thing that I don't like on my food list. That's true. Yeah. And I just would like everyone listening to know that it is very reasonable not to like three individual foods. <laughs> what, that oh, is what allowed. Are the three? Bananas. Oranges, bananas, and kefir now. Kefir. So there you go. And had some sauerkraut, had some uh, kimchi, like those. Don't remember any of the other things that we've talked about, but I like those too. So everyone hop off, okay? Perfect. Excellent. What are the foods you don't like? Tell me the foods you don't like. Come on. Oh, there's so many foods. Like most fruits. Meat, I, I guess. fucking hate that you don't like fruit. Like it actually makes me crazy. Like if <sighs> I was is... at like a breakfast situation and there was a bunch of fresh fruit out. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm stoked on that. And it wouldn't tickle your heart. That hurts me. Two of the three things you listed in your non-eat foods are fruits. I would yeah, like but to they're the them. only ones, and it makes smoothies a nightmare. Mm. If I could, I would like them both. I've tried so many times. Not worth it. No, horrible. Okay, anyways, you don't like most fruits. Uh, what else? I think that's it. That's pretty legit then. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Oh, and I guess I should add three and a half things. I don't like cooked peppers, but I love raw peppers, so there. But I did have a cooked pepper the other day that I was like, oh, damn, that was really good. So even that's, like, on the fence. There you go. You can be taught. It's true. It's cool. Yeah. Anyways, that was our mini app that's now coming in at a minute, but Marika, thank God, or no, an hour, but uh, Marika was going to have to edit most of this out because it's been nonsensical. We'll see. I mean, I've never advertised to anyone that it's a mini app. It was just like... Yes, you did. It was fully in the last episode. We said it out loud. We'll do a mini app on Kefir. Oh, mm, that's true. Okay, <laughs> right. This is a full episode. Because we can natter about nothing and go off topic. Because even if no one has good research or fun things to say about Kefir, I can just scream about milk and you can scream about Romans. <laughs> yeah. That was real nonsensical. And I don't, again, I don't really have a point to it. It's just kind of something that struck me while I was reading the story that like, we just have to include these women in our foundation myths and make Mm -hmm. them like the moral compass of all these things, I suppose, is where I was going. Well, I mean, yeah, creation myths in the sense that they're a birth. You need a woman for a birth. True. I'm just so ready to like be able to asexually reproduce. Just, like, pop out a clone baby. You'd be so gross. You'd love it. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it depends where it comes out. Like, I don't want to go, like, I don't want it to, like, I'm, I always imagine this girl, like, start growing out of my head. You're not Zeus with Athena, so calm down. I haven't figured it out yet. Okay, get working on the science. Yes, the science. We can science, be our science. own, we 
can be our own Scobies. There we are, tying it around. Oh, very nice. Ugh, be our own little Scobies. It's like a personal symbiosis of microbes. Love it. We already are, anyway. But yes, you've been listening to Pantry Staples. Um, the podcast <laughs> where we dish on everything but your favorite foods. Sometimes we dish on favorite foods. Yeah. Um, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. Give us a nice comment on the things. If you don't like what you're hearing, continue to subscribe, though, and just yeah. maybe tell somebody else who you think it might... Maybe tell, like, again, tell your enemy, because maybe you want them to hear something that you didn't enjoy. There Which you go. means that maybe they will enjoy us, and that's great for everyone, actually. Because we're a delight. Also, you can find us on the gram, as the yeah. kids say, at Pantry Stables Pod. Send us a message with your least favorite foods, because we're very curious. Ooh, yes, please do. That's fun. Yeah. Or just, like, send us a picture of some nice foods. Or tell us your favorite foods. Or just tell us a deep, dark secret that you don't want to tell someone else. Show us your scobies. Yeah, show us your scobies. Okay, bye. Um, Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.